0: All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Unboxing Judaism podcast. My name is Rabbi Arya Wolby. And I am Rabbi Yaakov Nagel. Welcome back. It is so great to be here. I hope you had a fabulous week, Rabbi Nagel. Amazing. We've just
1: had a super successful Hanukkah roundtable, and we're ready for
0: another one. That's right. It was spectacular, the Hanukkah roundtable. I almost forgot about it. It's less than a week ago. Uh, But the question that we have... Uh, for today's podcast is, isn't it enough to be a good person? Why do I need the Torah? So, let's crack this open.
1: Okay, let's begin with, uh, to me, the first question you need to ask is that even if we would accept that as a, an amazing thing, sure, it's great, just be a good person and let's leave it at that. What do we need all the Torah for? Well, the problem with that is, is that is that We are so often unaware and lack information in terms of what does it mean to be a good person. There are so many people who would swear up and down that they are good people, and yet they have no idea how much harm they're causing the world and themselves. It's a fact of the matter. Read the news. You'll see nobody, even the worst criminal, thinks about himself as being not a good person. So, The fact of the matter is to say, well, isn't it just good enough to be a good person? If you're going to be left to be the one who defines good, then you've accomplished zero.
0: You know, always, always the question is, what is good? Like, what defines good? And we always have different ideas. Every single human being has a different idea of what good is. I don't believe that there are many people in this world who want to do bad. No, they want to do good. But certain things get in the way of them doing that good. But everybody has intention to do good, to be good. Everybody wants to be good deep down. Even those who are killing others are killing others because they want the world to be a better place perhaps because they feel that by them doing this, they are the the judge and the executioner for all the uh, good and evil in the world. But they're not doing it because they want to be bad. You know,
1: one of of the catchphrases that really I find like really very telling is when people start talking about the greater good. You got to always think about the greater good. As soon as you say that, that's to me a catchphrase for I'm doing bad and I'm couching it in a greater good. (laughs) Okay, So like the the extra line of greater is a way of saying is like, well, actually, um, you know, I'm harming others. I'm causing people pain. I am jealous. I'm filling my life with inappropriate emotions and behaviors. I'm full of anger. But my motivation is pure. It's for the greater good. That's where the beauty of having a completely independent, something that's not subject to our way of twisting it, which is a Torah, which is a book that tells us what is truly good. And the more you grow up in life, the more you find that things aren't so simple. Sure, people might say, well, I you know, you know the one-liner of Rabbi Akiva, love your friend as you love yourself. Or, uh, as Hillel said, which is what is hateful to you, don't do to your friend, which sounds more or less the, the flip side of the same idea, which is what the underpinning of the entire Torah is. But without the Torah to define, to define for us what that means, and also to help us look at ourselves in a in, in a non biased view, non biased light, that's where we need the Torah for. So that's the to me the the core answer to this question is that you need to be able to have that 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 outside. Looking in, which is telling you what is right behavior, what's wrong behavior, that you're me- a measuring stick, that you're not able, that you're not, ju- you're not using your own measuring rod for yourself. There's a there's an independent measuring rod that you're measuring up against. That's what midos are actually a measuring. And if you're the one who's defining what what a foot is by whatever you're using, that's not going to be accurate. There's an independent rod that everybody has to measure up against. And that's what the midos are. That's what proper character traits that we build via learning the Torah and keeping the mitzvahs. It develops in us these positive character traits. And therefore, the bottom line answer is without the Torah, we wouldn't really be good people.
0: Right. So the real question is, what is good? What is good? And who defines what is good? Because my opinion of what is good might be very different from what my neighbor's uh, definition of good is so you know to one person good could be um, you know giving charity helping out other people to another person being good can be listening to someone and uh, and uh, you know saving the uh, whales you know everyone has their own definition and they can all be good things but what is the real good the real real good that the almighty is commanding us in his Torah to be defining is good.
1: And I want to share with you, you know, like you said, uh, giving charity, somebody might think that giving charity is good. Well, you know, we have actually a people that is discussed in the Torah, the people of Sodom, who felt unreligious, unreligious, uh, on religious, on religious, on, on, uh, based on religious principles, that giving charity is sacrilegious. Because that means you're going against God's will. God created this person to be poor. And who am I to argue on God's, uh, God's will of having this person as being poor. And if God granted me wealth, then obviously God wants me to have that wealth. And who am I to mess with uh, God's will in this world? That's how they believed it. So, and they thought of themselves as such wonderful people. Can you imagine? So, uh, the bottom line is left in the hands of man the definition of good. Is not good.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the first time I think it says it says good is in the creation, where it's where we're at Kadersh Baruch, where the Almighty looks at his creation, and he says, Tov, Tov, Tov Meod, right? Where Hashem sees that there is there is there is good, there is life. But going back to what you, you said, Rabbi Nagel about Sodom, so the, the Midrash tells us that uh, Lot's daughter, you know, saw a poor poor girl by the well and she gave her a basket of of flour so that she can bring home the flour and she was punished for it she was punished because you know this is not the way we act in our town now again that was their definition of good but based on what what on what is that definition of good based on and it, it seems that the world we're living in today the you know the the modern world has gotten many definitions and, and has, been, has been very free with what is good and what isn't good. And it's very easy for people make to make their own definitions of things. And I think it should be concerning to us that people are in a free-for-all and not having a grounded knowledge of what is good.
1: I think there's another, like really, an, an, an insight into this idea of, uh, like, what really, like, for instance, in the people of Saddam, what really motivated them in their behavior? What they weren't aware of is that they saw they had such a beautiful land, they were granted such bounty, it was like Gan Eden, as the Torah describes it, and they loved it, and they wanted it for themselves. And that desire, that base desire, colored their view to define good that's good for them. That's how it happens. And we don't realize how easy it is to manipulate our minds to see things the way we want to see them. And that's the idea. That's why it's so important to have a good friend, for instance. Somebody who really wants you to succeed in the best way possible and to be the best person that you can be. And they can see from an outsider's view Where are you going wrong? And that's exactly what we're talking about over here. That friend can be the Torah. The Torah is telling us definitions of good. The Torah is providing information. Now, I want to point to one more thing that I think is very important. Really, I think maybe the question is really a bit of a deeper question. Okay, the Torah has to define for me what's good. Be kind, be generous. Maybe some mitzvahs we really do need, but what about the minutia? What about these details? As we say, you know, the expression goes, "The devils in the details." What about those little things that the Torah seems to be so nitpicky on? Let's just be, you know, keep the general parts of the Torah. Why such specific little things? That's what I think is maybe behind the question. Which is, in a sense, a more meaningful and important question to focus on.
0: So I, I want to attack the second, the second thing you said just now, uh, you know, about the little details. You know, you open up the hood of a car and you're like, you know what? That little pipe over there or that little wire over there, little details. Like, let's just cut it off. Let's just take it out. Something's not going to work. Some things—Hashem doesn't put extra things in the world. Hashem didn't create an extra human being— He didn't create an extra, uh, you know, tree in the world. Everything that exists is there for a reason, is there for a purpose. Uh, And every single one of the challenges that we have are there as well. God crafted for us, personally crafted it for us. The small details, the small details are everything. You know, you buy a, a piece of furniture from Ikea. Buy a piece of furniture from Ikea and you say you know what i don't need that little red bag with all of the uh the screws and the and the nuts and bolts as long as i have the you know the wood the beams big piece, the big pieces the, the big pieces that's what counts no it's the small pieces that holds it together and in, in in judaism it's no different where the small details are the essence that the 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 keys that hold it all together and i think that there's so much that is you know, uplifting, satisfying, holy, and uh, and 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 righteous about those little things in the Torah. We have six hundred and thirteen commandments, and if you look in the halacha, you'll find that there is probably six hundred and thirteen million laws. Uh, there are an incredible number of details in every single thing, in each little minute detail is connected with all the spiritual realms and all of the realms of the heavens and all of the realms of the angels and all of the realms that are so beyond the physical matrix of this world. And we're living in a world where everything is physical and we're connecting. It relates to Hanukkah, which starts this Sunday night, where the Greek, what they were busy with was everything was on surface. What do I see? It's all about the physical. And not about a depth, not about a spiritual existence. Everything in Judaism is exactly the opposite of that. We are all about the depths of what's inside it.
1: I want to say something a little bit more about this idea of uh, details. First of all, a lot of if you if you really study the law and look at the law and look at how much of our life can be dictated by law. People I think the the core of the question is that you find the details, the minutiae, cumbersome, difficult, hard. We have to recognize is that what it is more is a tremendous opportunity for enriching your life. Even just washing my hands in the morning in a meaningful way gives infuses my my day, every step of my day can be infused with meaning. It's an opportunity, it's in a way to enrich your life. That's really what the details are all about. If we would just have like a broad... There's the, the verse that really encapsulates this. We say it in davening, in prayer. Rabbi Hanania ben Akash Omer, Ratz HaKadosh Baruch Lezakos Lefikach Torah God wants to give us more merit and therefore he gave us a multitude of Torah and mitzvahs. What does that mean? It's not only to give us merit that we have more opportunities, but it does mean that. Everything that we do can be infused with purpose, with meaning. There's no empty part of our lives. It's filled with meaning. That's an amazing opportunity. That's a great thing to have. But, it's even deeper than that because if you look at the words, it says Lizakos. Now, Lizakos is like a dual word. It means not only to have merit, but it also is a cleansing component. Every little bit that we do by having that infused meaning is purifying us as well. We have a little bit of ego-tainted desires for our base needs, base wants, all of those things are slowly chipped at, chipped away at by having this detail and that detail. So by having that extra amount of meaningful opportunities throughout our day, by saying a blessing before we eat, we're not just filling our belly. It elevates our whole action of eating. All these different details, they're not, min, minutia is not the right way to look at it. It's opportunities for food, connecting to God in everything that we do. And that's so meaningful and so powerful. So if you look at it with the right perspective, you want the details. They infuse your life in a higher level, in a higher way. That's what it's all about.
0: So that verse from liturgy, from the from the uh, psukim that we say, Ratz HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lezach uh, So I never, I never heard that Pshad, the second one of Zach, but it's interesting that we have in our in our uh, menorah, right? What are we supposed to put? Shemen Zayis Zach. We're supposed to put a pure and clean oil. One that not only burns clean, but one that our sages tell us, by looking at the menorah, we purify our soul. Looking at the lights of the menorah, we're not supposed to enjoy from them or derive pleasure from them, but we're supposed to purify ourselves. el eli We look and we gaze at the lights of the menorah. And... Uh, the idea that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty, gives us mitzvahs—yeah, the six hundred thirteen million of them—Lezakos is Israel. He gives us the privilege and the opportunity to elevate ourselves through each one of those things and every single mitzvah that a person does. You know, the biggest misconception that Jews have about Judaism is that it's all or nothing. People think like I can't say a blessing, I'm such a hypocrite because I, I do this and that. So I can't if I'm not doing it all, and that's such a huge mistake. We don't we don't say that about anything else in the world that you have to be all or nothing. I mean maybe there are other things. I don't know. <laughs> but nothing that comes to mind that it's all or nothing. In Judaism, it's it's just the opposite. It's the small little steps. Every single little small step that a person takes on, in their journey of growth, in their connection with the Almighty, that's a whole world, a world unto its own. So, if a person just takes a single little mitzvah, a single little act, a single little deed, the Torah tells us the great value of that. The the enormous change that comes onto a person. You know, one of the things I I read in a, in a book um, uh, called Atomic Habits, which is about small changes. I think it's very. Uh, a very Musser-like thought, a very Musser-like foundation of like the small little atomic changes that we make in our lives have the hugest impact. He says if you have a plane in New York, leaving New York and heading to Los Angeles, and you just change the dial one degree of the plane, the direction of the plane by one degree, it will end up, and it seems infinitesimally small, it seems so small that it's not going to make any difference. You'll end up in Mexico. But just one little adjustment of the dial. Why? Because that small change right here, right now, doesn't seem like anything. It's like, ah, it's insignificant. But over time, it makes the biggest difference in the world. So back to our original question. Oh, you, you yeah, I something. just have
1: just one more thing about this, which I think is a great, a great way to look at it. A lot of times also... You know, we have so many commandments, so many mitzvahs. But like like you were saying, Ari, is a, there's a, a, you know, don't look at it as an all or nothing, but it's the beauty of having a multitude of mitzvahs is that different people can connect somehow to a different mitzvah in a different way. By having more mitzvahs and more opportunities, some mitzvahs will speak to your soul in a much greater way and this way, you have an opportunity to connect to God with that particular mitzvah, and that itself is a great opportunity. So, having the excess of 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 commandments to serve God with allows us a greater opportunity to find what connects, and from there you can build backwards to everything. That's how it works. The more you have one good thing, one good deed, begets another and begets another. So, you find where you can hook onto and something that really speaks to you. So, so let's say, for instance, sometimes Shabbos, is like, you know what, I can experience the Shabbos. I love it. It changed my life. From that, you'll move to prayer. And from that, you'll move to kosher. From that, to other things. And you'll find ways to enrich your life in so many other ways. So that's the way I see it, is that every by having a multitude of mitzvahs that gives different people who are built differently an opportunity, a window, or like an opening that from there they can grow and they can build themselves and get closer to God.
0: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because the Gemara says, the Talmud says that there were different sages that perfected certain mitzvahs. There were certain mitzvahs that were very precious to them. For example, there was one who was very careful to bring Shabbos in early. That was his specialty. He brought Shabbos in early. Another one, he extended Shabbos and took Shabbos out late. There was another who was very careful to, to have the third meal of Shabbos. And the, in the Gemara goes many different examples of different sages that had one mitzvah which was more precious to them than all others. You know, you think of the Chavetz Chaim. Uh, everyone will tell you the Chavetz Chaim who passed away in 1934, the mitzvah that was most unique and special to him was clean speech, not speaking negatively about anyone else. And every single person can find something in Judaism, some, something in the Torah that speaks to them and say, you know, that's that's my passion. That's my love. And I, I think it's just a, a remarkable, a remarkable I, think, yeah, I mean, you look at the, the Talmud, has a whole list of all these different uh, Tanaic sages and the mitzvahs that they loved and that was so precious to them. We all have something that—, that And that, that was their pathway to, to greatness. That's what it was. So— I I think if we go back to our question, what is good and why do we need a Torah? If I if I'm just good, I remember I once had a cab driver in Jerusalem, an Israeli, lovely individual, secular, and he says to me, uh, uh, you know, you're in yeshiva, you're learning Torah. What, do, what you know, what do you need this all for? Why don't you just be a good person and leave go of the Torah, leave go of everything else? Just, doesn't God just want you to be good and that's it? So how do you how do you close this out, Rabbi Eagle?
1: It's impossible to be good without the Torah telling us what is good.
0: Well, what saying. So are we saying that the the non-Jews who don't have the Torah or don't observe the Torah that they're not good? Well, that's the beauty of
1: of uh, the non-Jew that they have a Jew to look up to. Really, I'm serious. And what that means is is that having the Jew, the Jews have a Torah and they also have their seven commandments that are for them. Their. You're lo- referring to the seven the Noahide seven Noahide laws. Noahide laws, and that enables them. To be to maintain a level of becoming a mensch, of being a good person, and like I said, I you know left to, left to our own devices. We are so subjective to way we see the world that we will never be good that way. It's the the reality of the world is that we are, you know, we see with our own colored eyes on on you know everything is our way of seeing things. And when we're living that way, so then we'll never we'll never be able to even agree what the definition of good is. Forget about it. like this. There's some independent book that tells us what's good, and then we're able to at least hopefully live up to that. But if everyone's saying I'll be good, but I am good, <laughs> well, that's not good to me. So guess what? We're arguing. So the small the short answer is is that it's great in theory, but when you think about it in practice all we need is the torah to tell us the definition of good as well as the opportunities that it provides and that's the other point of it that the every little detail is another opportunity to to connect to god and to find my special place in the torah that i can achieve greatness those are that's the short answer without the torah we wouldn't have that special path for myself we wouldn't have a multitude of ways to connecting to God, and we would still not even know what's good without that. So that's the short answer.
0: All right, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very, very much, Rabbi Nagel. I hope all of you all enjoyed, all of y'all enjoyed uh, this conversation. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us at unboxing at torchweb.org, unboxing at T-O-R-C-H-W-E-B dot O-R-G. And until next week, my dear friends, thank you so much.
1: A pleasure learning with you all.
0: Have a great week.